This is the Serving the Peace Podcast. I am your host, Brent Hardy. Welcome to the program. Well, I hope you all had a wonderful holidays. We are coming back. Here it is, January, early January, and we are back in the saddle, ready to tackle another year of this wonderful podcast that I really want to get paid to do. Just kidding. Well, not really. It would be nice to get paid to do this. But anyways, I digress. Uh, Yeah, feel free to share this podcast, share it with your friends, share it with people you think might like it, like-minded individuals. That would be very helpful to us. It helps us grow. Uh, helps us be able to make money, justify the money we're spending, and the money we make, we can just invest into the equipment and stuff like that. I, I'll tell you right now, the, any money you donate to the program, and you can't donate, if you go to anchor.fm, uh, find this podcast on the Anchor website, there is a donation button, right? You can actually donate to the podcast, and I assure you, this is not money going to my pocket. This is money that goes to the equipment, like the laptops, the mixers, the microphones, the lighting. I mean, it all, it all goes to something, right? And one thing I'm trying to do is I'm actually trying to save up for a good camera, uh, that we could use, like a plug into my mixer, so we could actually expand back on the YouTube and actually have good sound quality when we do. Uh, but anyways, I digress. So yes, uh, I hope you guys all had a wonderful weekend. We certainly did. We splurged a lot on our kids. Our kids were definitely spoiled this year, and uh, I have a- uh, Acorns to thank for that. I've been talking about Acorns for a while. They do not sponsor the program, but they are a good, easy to use app. Okay, you just download onto your phone. You connect your account. And it helps you save money on the side. And if you decide you need that money, great. Pull it out from Acorns. Put it back in your checking account. Go go get whatever you need. It doesn't have to be just for Christmas like we use it. You could actually use it as part of your uh, nest egg savings. You could use it for you know saving up for furniture, saving up for parts, saving up for tires. Okay? I mean, we know throughout the year that there are certain expenses that are going to come up. Right? I know that in, J- in July... My wife's big min- minivan that she uses, actually not even a minivan, it's a big van that she uses to haul around all her kids, it's going to be due. The registration is going to be due in July. Okay, that registration is about $800, right? You can use a software like Acorns to set aside that money and make sure that when that registration comes up, you're ready to pay it. Okay, and it's nice because I don't have to worry about uh, saving money for that kind of stuff because it just saves it for me. Okay, I'm telling you guys, check out Acorns if you can. Um... Besides all that, we did lose the great Betty White um, uh, just recently. Uh, she was 99 years old. She's actually getting ready to celebrate her 100th birthday this month. Um, People Magazine kind of distastefully already put out a, a catalog, or I'm sorry, a magazine celebrating her 100th birthday, uh, and I think it hit the shelves like two days after she died. Like, oh, come on, guys. You guys couldn't pull that really quick? Um, I mean, I don't think it was out of taste or out of context, but it did, it did rub some people the wrong way that they did that. But yes, the great Betty White is gone. Uh, I always think about, she, she had a lot of great roles and she was a really funny person over the years. She was probably the longest, I read somewhere that she had the longest female career of any, right? I mean, she just, she was great. Okay. And she always had her wits about her, which I think made her easier to work for or easy to work with even in her older age. But I always think one of my favorite clips with her was what was that movie? I think it's the pro, pro the proposal with Ryan Reynolds, and they did this like gag clip at the end where she's basically really mean to Ryan Reynolds, and so he's mean back, and then everyone witnesses what Ryan Reynolds does and not what she does, and they think and they just basically all hate on Ryan Reynolds for being mean to Betty White, who's actually really mean to him, but nobody sees that part. I don't know. It was hilarious. You guys gotta look it up. Um, but yes, Betty White, we're gonna miss you, girl. Um, I think she just had a great sense of humor about her, and she just she brought a lot of joy and humor to everything she touched. Um, but yeah, we lost her on December 31st, I think, or on New Year's Eve. So 
Um, that was very sad. I think one of the best memes I saw about it, though, was um, people were saying that Betty White didn't um, die before 2022. She took 2021 with her, that she grabbed 2021 by the throat and said, you're coming with me, and just put a stop to all the nonsense right there and then. So, I don't know. It, it's funny. Um, the, the internet's really fast with that kind of stuff. But, yes, Betty White, we will miss you. One of the other things that happened over the weekend is something that I want to talk on a lot today. Um, let me pull up this article here. Did you guys hear about the shooting spree over in Colorado, Lakewood, Colorado? A gunman kills five people, enters officer, and two others in shooting spree. Okay. Uh, so basically, this guy just starts off, and he just starts going after people. It, I'm not going to go into the details. I'm not going to put his name out there because I don't like to make these people infamous in a way. Um, sometimes they do these things because they're looking for the fame and notoriety. I'm I'm happy to hear that this yes this was in the news, but it kind of faded away already. Like not too many people are talking about it or anything like that. Um, but yeah, he basically went to a tattoo shop, killed the guy. Went somewhere else, killed somebody. Went somewhere else, killed somebody. Um, and it appeared that these were people that he had planned on killing. And one one person came out later that was wounded, saying that he had threatened to kill him years ago, and that like he knew the guy and stuff like that. Here's the cool thing about it though. Uh, they finally identified the officer that put a stop to it. Um, it was a female officer. Uh, her name is, I'm pulling it up right now because I'm unprofessional. I totally forgot it already. Ashley Ferris. Ashley Ferris of the Lakewood, Colorado Police Department did a fantastic job from all accounts, and this is why. So she ends up coming across the guy. He's walking towards her. She can clearly see the gun. She's clearly, from what I can tell, probably in the right mindset of, yes, this is the gunman we've been looking for. This is the person we're going after, whatever, however you want to put it. Um, and she sees the guy gun, and she does give him an opportunity to drop the gun. Now, seeing that he killed five people and stuff, that this is what he's doing, this is why this is important. Now, I'm not saying it's necessarily the right thing to do outside the law, Okay. Because if I see a guy coming at me with a gun, I may not give him an opportunity. However, as a cop, that's what you're supposed to do, right? With the way case law is and the way it's going right now, with the way the politics are going, everything like that, as a police officer, you should, if you're if you're listening to this, as a police officer, you should be giving everybody an opportunity to drop the gun and surrender. That should be what you're yelling out. That's why these body cameras are so important, right? These body cameras, I'll admit, when they started coming out with body cameras, I hated them. I didn't like it. I didn't like the idea I was being spied on. Right, I didn't like that at all. And when I started this cop, we didn't have body cameras, but they were coming out. Um, we used uh, our dash cameras, and then I had a little microphone I could clip onto my belt, and so that'd be a microphone that ta- tagged into the dash camera, right? And uh, I also had a camera facing the rear seat of my police car, so if I was interviewing someone in my police car, I can catch it on film. Um, if I was talking to someone in a traffic stop, whatever, the audio's there. Okay. The reason why I hated these microphones, though, I, and that was fine to me. That's just what I was used to. Uh, I hated the microphones, though, because they had a big bright blue light on them. And so I'd end up putting them in a pocket or someplace um, so the light wouldn't shine because I usually worked at nights. And so I didn't want to be given away by this bright blue light shining off my body at some point. Um, but anyways, I digress. So anyways, they started coming out with these body cameras, and I hated the idea because I hated the idea that I was being spied on. Right? I hated the idea that I was being watched. I was hated the idea that I needed it. Okay, But they did come in handy, and we saw that early on, right? When I'm interviewing somebody, if I'm writing the report, I'm like, wait, what did that guy say? I can always go back and look at the footage and go back and look at the interview. Uh, It just kind of made things easier. But the other thing was something that a captain came in. I think he was actually a lieutenant at the time. Um, He came in, and he 
was discussing it, and this is a guy who was part of a lot of the internal investigations, or at least was aware of a lot of internal investigations. He would receive a lot of complaints and assign the uh, in investigations to the uh, investigators who are uh, doing the internal stuff. And um, he's mentioned that these cameras were getting cops out of trouble a lot more than they're getting them in trouble. Right? Now let's go back to the shooting. Okay, she gives the guy an opportunity to surrender. She basically didn't execute him in the street. She tells him, drop the gun. He refuses. Um, and then he puts the gun up. He shoots her. So she's wounded. She returns fire and kills the guy. Okay, warrior. Right, that's warrior status right there. Right, if you're taking rounds and getting injured and you're still doing your job and you're not surrendering, you're not freaking out, and you're not surrendering surrendering to death, okay, you're definitely a warrior status at that point. Okay, so Ashley Ferris, we definitely salute you for that work and for what you did. And I we wish you a, a very speedy recovery. Um, but here's the thing: she she gave him the opportunity to surrender. She gave him the opportunity to shoot the drop the gun, and that's very important. Okay, uh, the way things are going, society, the news, uh, DAs, uh, prosecutors, all these people, they are not looking friendly on cops right now. And in some cases, they're just looking for opportunities to, in some cases, in some precincts, in some districts, they're, they're looking for opportunities to nail somebody to a wall, to make somebody an example, okay? DAs want to keep their job, and they like the opportunity to say, hey, look, see, look, I'm holding cops accountable, too. See, look at this guy. So for the cops that listen to my program, watch your six. Okay, watch out. It's coming from both sides. Okay, they, they do not have your back the way they used to, okay? So yeah, when you see that man walking at you with a gun... You should be yelling out with your body camera activated, if you got one, if your agency has them, um, drop the gun. Drop the gun right now. I will shoot you. Drop the gun. Bang. Right? You should be. Now, reasonably speaking, you may not get that opportunity, and that's fine. Uh, I would support you either way, right? You got somebody walking at you with a gun, on or off duty, cop or non-cop. You got somebody walking at you with a gun, and it's obvious that they're not going to out bird hunting behind you or whatever it is. Like, like uh, yeah, do your job. Protect your life, okay? Because when all is said and done, just protect your life. I was actually talking to somebody the other day who was talking about um, going on road trips, and he, he admitted to me that he sometimes carries a gun with him, okay? And it's not always legal for him to do that, uh, depending on what state he's going through. But he basically told me, he was like, look, when all is said and done, if I have to defend myself, the legal ramifications are the last thing that's going to be on my mind. I'm, I'm, I'm worried about saving myself or saving my family members, my friends, or whoever's with me. And he's not wrong, right? He's not off the mark. Okay, I get that. I get that mindset, okay? You'd hate to get yourself shot, killed, or a family member shot and killed because you're hesitating because, oh, well, I might get in trouble. I might get in trouble for having this gun. I might get sued by this guy's family because I'm not supposed to have this gun. You know what? Sue me. I got nothing, <laughs> right? Like, what's the worst case scenario? I have to sell my house, you know, sell, sell, sell cars, sell my house, move in with my parents for a while while I wait for things to work out. I mean, it's not the end of the world. Okay, like I, we can make that work. Okay, does it suck? Yes, but at least I'm alive, at least my family alive. And I think for most people, especially in this audience, same thing, right? I mean, if, if you have to defend yourself and you end up taking some, end up getting sued or whatever, and you're like, hey, I did the right thing, it just sucks because these are the consequences I have to deal with, dude, we'll help you out. Reach out to this program and we'll figure something out. I don't got any money, but I, I, I got resources, so we'll figure something out, right? So, I mean, that's what you got to do. So when it comes to carrying in general, and yes, this is all related. I'm going to tie all this in, guys. So, But when it comes to carrying a gun in general, I had a lieutenant years ago talk to me about it because I told him that one of my concealed carry weapons was a Ruger LCP. 
Now, if you know what the Ruger LCP is, it's essentially a tiny little pocket pistol. It holds six rounds, and the rounds are a 380. Okay, 380 is not too, the diameter is not too different than a 9mm, um, but it's a much smaller round, right? So it has much less powder behind it, a lot much less power behind it. Okay, the FBI actually rates this round as something that they would not recommend for use in their for in their agency um, because of the power behind it. it just they don't feel like it has enough. Okay, however, if it's life or death situation, I'd rather have that than nothing, right? But yeah, it is a small gun. And I told them I like carrying it because especially in the summertime when I'm wearing simply less clothes, shorts, t-shirt, tank top, whatever. You know, I don't really wear tank tops, but you know, you get the gist of it. When you're wearing less clothes in the summertime, sometimes it gets harder to conceal a weapon and the LCP is just a nice little gun. What does LCP stand for? I don't know. My brother claims it stands for a little compact pistol. I hope he's wrong. However, he pointed out that Ruger also has a pistol called the LCR. That's a revolver. And he says, see, look, little compact revolver, little compact pistol. <sighs> I really hope he's wrong, though, because I'd hate for my pistol to be called a little compact pistol. Anyways, but yeah, it's a pocket pistol. And so I'm talking to him about it. And I was like, yeah, this is what I carry. The sights aren't great on it. I wouldn't necessarily recommend it, but it was cheap and it will keep me alive. He said, well, let me ask you something. I said, what? He's like, if you knew you were going to go get in a gunfight, what would you carry? Like, practically speaking. Because my first answer was like, I don't know, body armor, AR-15, couple extra mags. He's like, no, no, practically speaking, you're going to Walmart, but you have some sort of premonition that you're going to get in trouble at Walmart, that you're going to get in some sort of gunfight or need a gun at Walmart. What are you going to take with you? And I was like, well, probably my duty pistol, right? My full-size Glock. My full-size Glock with 15-round mags, maybe an extra mag on me or something, you're right, I, I, I'll take what I can get, you know? And if I had something else, if I had a Sig Sauer or something or, or some other better pistol, not that Glocks are bad, but, you know, something that, that feels more accurate or fits better in my hand, sure, I'd carry that. He's like, okay, why don't you just carry that? His point is, if you know you're going to get in a gunfight, don't carry the little gun, right? Carry the gun you know you're going to want to use. Carry the gun you're going to wish you had when those bullets start flying. Sure, I didn't stop carrying my LCP, but I did. the The message was there. So in the wintertime, when I'm carrying off duty and stuff, when I am wearing a jacket, clothes, that kind of stuff, when I go to church and I'm wearing a suit coat and everything, I'll usually carry my full-size Glock and probably have an extra mag or two on me. Because I just think about what he said. If I know you're going to get in a gunfight, carry what you're, what you're going to wish you had. Okay, practically speaking, because again, I wish I had an AR-15 and a couple spare mags on me. But I digress. Okay, so that's what I want to talk about today, guys. I'm going to jump into this in the next uh, quarter hour or so. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to talk about active shooters and protecting yourself off duty. All right, and we're back. And we are back. So, uh, man, we are getting hammered right now in California with rain, and I'm loving it. We've, we've been going through this drought spell, and we're just, I'm out here in, in my studio. And I didn't run the heater or anything before I came out, and I can see my own breath as I'm sitting here talking. Ugh, man, it feels nice, though. I'm happy to have it. Anyways, moving on. So, yeah, I want to talk about keeping yourself safe off-duty. And in the last um, in the last segment, I started discussing what weapons do you carry. Okay, now I want to tell you guys a little story here about this. So, I used to teach active shooter, right? Or as I like to call them, I like to call them active killers because they don't always use guns, right? Sometimes they use... Uh, as we saw on a college campus, I think in Ohio many years ago, the guy used a um, a car and a butcher knife, right? Like, they don't always use these things. Sometimes they use explosives. Um, but active killers. And so, 
if you guys remember, many years ago, there was a active shooter who walked into a mall in, I believe, Salt Lake City. Uh, and the first person to engage him and start shooting back was actually an off-duty cop. This was a guy who went to the mall, having a little date with his wife, running a couple of errands. You know, they're in the food court, you know, grabbing some grub, and then the shooting starts. And the shooting starts. Okay. His wife, I think, was a dispatcher, if I remember the story correctly. And she gets on the horn and starts calling in the resources. This guy immediately starts engaging. And here's the beauty about it. He starts engaging him. Does he kill him right away? No. However, he gets the guy's attention. Okay, you start shooting. You got some good cover, some good concealment, right? In other words, something that bullets are not going to fly through. Now the guy has to defend himself, right? Put him on the defensive. He has to take cover. He has to shoot back. He's now pinned down. You're pinned down. Whatever it is, he can't move on without taking care of you. And you're, and you're basically stopping this guy. And at the opportunity, what you're doing is you're giving everyone an opportunity to escape. You're giving everyone an opportunity to get out of there. Okay? He starts shooting. Other cops show up. They start shooting. And the guys who come in were guys who were actually coming back from a SWAT training. They happen to have all their equipment on them. They were just killing the last few hours of their day so they could fill up the hours on their pay cards, on their timesheets. Um, and they just happened to be equipped and ready to go. They were able to get there, go in, uh, outflank the shooter, and, and put him down and put a stop to the threat. Okay, but it all started with one guy who just happened to be carrying his gun when he was off duty. Okay, now this is not directed just to cops. This is for you CCW carriers as well. Okay, this is for those guys out there who have a CCW, who uh, truck drivers, whatever you are. You could be that guy that puts a stop to something. Okay, we saw this in Texas, right, at the church shooting where the guy goes in and starts shooting at the church, shooting up, and the, and the neighbor a couple, couple houses down pulls out his AR-15 and returns fire. Okay, remember, these active shooter situations or active killer situations usually last as long as, as it takes until the next gun shows up on scene. And the next gun usually belongs to a good guy. Okay, so, and let me tell you something else. Okay, if, if, if you ever are in a situation in your life where that you are find yourself with an active shooter or active killer, you know, whether you're at a school, a mall, a government building, whatever it is, if you ever find yourself in that situation and you do not have a gun and you are not able to stop that threat and people are getting killed or injured around you, including uh, yourself or, or loved ones, you're never going to get redeemed. Okay, that is a once-in-a-lifetime experience. That's a once-in-a-lifetime incident. Okay, it's a, it's, the odds of it even happening to you are already slim to zip. The odds of it happening to you twice are even slimmer. You're never going to get redeemed. Okay, you will live with that regret of not carrying a firearm when you could have for the rest of your life. You will live with the regret of not engaging somebody when you could have for the rest of your life. Do not be that person. Okay, carry that gun. Okay, if you can, do it. If you can't, come up with a plan. Figure something out. Okay, because again, you're not going to get redeemed. Never. Okay. So, um, but yeah, so carry the gun. Now, the advice that I offer, of course, is carry the gun that, um, that you're going to want to have when you're in a gunfight. Now, granted, I would not always recommend a pistol for a gunfight in general. Um, mostly you use the pistol to try and get you to the better gun. Uh, that's how they used to put it in the military, right? Um... Obviously, if I knew I was getting a gunfight, I would have the armor, have the AR-15, stuff like that. But this isn't Israel. I can't just walk around with an AR-15 strapped on, which I wish I could sometimes. But I can't 
So I have to be practical. And so that practicality results in a full-size Glock that I have. It's actually my duty weapon, which is fine. Um, because if I do get involved in a shooting, the, the firearm is often seized for evidentiary purposes. And I'd rather they seize a gun I don't actually own. Right? I can legally carry it, but I don't own it. And maybe that's a better one to have. I do use a Glock when I'm on duty. Now, a lot of people, I mean, you can argue all day back and forth, right? There's a lot of great manufacturers out there, right? Six hours of great manufacturers. Smith & Wesson can do good good stuff. Um, <coughs> Colt does great stuff. Um, Kimber. Kimber's hit or miss, in my opinion, but a lot of people swear by those Kimber 1911s. Um, you know, they. It, but when all it comes down to is pick the gun that works for you. Okay, this used to actually drive me nuts when people would message me, email me, call me, whatever, and they'll say, well, what what, what kind of gun should I buy? What kind of gun should I get? You know, I want to buy my first one. What should I get? And I'm looking at them like, I don't know, dude. Go to the store. And this day and age, you got to go in the store and actually see what they have in stock because a lot of stuff's just not available right now. Go to the store and go pick up some guns. Go figure it out. Go figure out what fits your hand because your accuracy with a pistol is going to be established, in my opinion, almost 100% with your grip. Okay? Sight picture matters too, but a lot of it's going to be your grip. Okay, so find a gun that fits your hand. If you have smaller hands, you're going to look at different guns, right? You probably won't look at a Glock because Glocks have big, blocky handles. If you have bigger hands, you're going to like a Glock. Now, here's the beauty about Glock, and granted, I'm not a Glock salesman. I don't swear by them, but Glocks are more or less like the AK-47 of the pistol world, right? They're just really tough guns, okay? So if you do live in an environment where there's snow or heat or water or moisture or whatever like that, you may want to get a Glock because it doesn't really matter what the climate is. The gun's going to shoot, just like an AK-47. I mean, AK-47s, you can throw them in the mud and the water and sand, uh, throw them in the snow, run over them with the tank, and they're still going to shoot, and that's kind of where I put the Glocks, okay? Are they the most accurate guns? No. Okay, you can find more accurate uh, pistols out there, trust me. Um, But they are generally cheaper, and they shoot every time I pull the trigger, and that's in a gunfight, that's all I'm really going to worry about. I want the gun to function. Okay? But some guys, like I said, Sig Sauer uh, makes some great pistols. Um, if you have smaller hands or you have a hard time establishing a grip, I would suggest looking at Walter. Walter has some great grips. Uh, Ruger, their pistols have some great grips as well. Um, that's just what you got to do. You got to go to the store and figure out what fits your hand. Okay, when it comes to calibers, again, personal choice. Okay, some people like 9mm because they have less recoil and they generally will hold more rounds in their in their magazines. Okay, some people prefer a 40. Some people prefer a 45 because it has a little more knockdown power. Right? That's just a personal choice. Okay, 45 has more knockdown power, but it tends to have more recoil. So if you're comfortable with recoil and you can recover from it and you can get accurate and have a good sight picture, shoot the 45. Right. If you rather have quantity and and less recoil, shoot a nine millimeter. If you want a mixture of both, get a forty caliber. Right. That's just a personal choice. It's what you want. Okay. Uh, for Christmas, one of the things I bought my wife was a thirty eight special. Okay, just a little revolver. Okay. Is it the best gun ever? No. Is it the most accurate gun ever? Probably not. Okay. But it's comfortable for her. It fits her hand. Okay. It also happens to be purple, <laughs> which is okay whatever favorite colors, right? But that's what you do. You just, you kind of match the gun to the person, okay? If you're a dog trainer, you know exactly what I'm talking about because you match the dog to the person, right? Match the gun to the person. I can't recommend a specific firearm, okay? Even if a company came and said, hey, we want to sponsor your podcast. We want you to push our guns. Okay, I'll be like, listen, High Point, I I, I really just am not a believer, okay? Like, it it doesn't work for everybody. So anyways, no, I wouldn't recommend High Points. Now they're just very cheap. 
But they do pull the trigger. I mean, they do shoot when you pull the trigger. So, I mean, I don't know. Go go find what works for you, right? So that's that's the first thing. Go find what works for you and understand that you're buying the gun that might save your life or the life of a loved one. So make sure you're competent with it. And make sure you're comfortable with it. Okay? Again, I can't recommend anything specific. I can just simply suggest that you find what works for you. Now, if you're really good, you'll go to a gun shop that also has a gun range attached. And what these gun shops will often do is they'll allow you to rent a gun or basically preview a firearm. So you, you, you rent the gun, you buy a box of ammo, you go back there, and you shoot it, and you can see what you can do. Okay, see how accurate you can be. Okay, are you going to be perfect? No, but, I mean, shoot it and say, yes, I can get better, or yes, I can work with this, and go do it. Okay? Now, the other thing that always comes up, of course, is magazines versus revolvers versus whatever. Um, my personal take on this is if you're not a regular shooter, Okay, if you're not the kind of person that goes out and trains on a regular basis and stuff like that, or if you're out, you know, once a month or whatever. Now, granted, during this day and age, it's hard to find ammo, so some people just are just training less. Um, but if you're the kind of person who just wants, like, a home defense pistol, something you're comfortable with, and you're just going to throw it in a sock drawer or on your underwear drawer and only bring it out in emergencies, I would recommend a revolver. Well, why? Because it has less moving parts, uh, a lot less springs, that kind of stuff, and it can sit in a sock drawer for 20 years and pull it out and it's still going to shoot, okay? Uh, a Gun with magazines attached, or as some people call them, clips, but that's not the right way to say it. They're called magazines. Um, the magazines have springs in them. The springs do wear out. And so if you're not taking it out, you know, three, four times a year, hopefully more often to train and, and really learn this firearm, uh, you could be wearing out the springs and it's not going to function properly for you. The other part of that, too, is you got to get to know your gun. Okay, I mentioned the Kimber 1911s earlier. Part of the reason why I think they're hit or miss is because in a lot of ways, Kimber makes a great product. But I have a buddy who, who was carrying one of their 1911s on duty as a cop, and he had to short stack his magazines. That means he had to keep one less bullet in all his magazines that he carried on him because if he filled his magazines all the way to the top, his gun would jam. Right? And there's nothing you can do about that. But he got to know his gun. He got to know what the problem was. And so he ordered a couple extra magazines, and he just shorted one round in each magazine so his gun wouldn't jam. Right? I mean, that's what it is. You just adapt and overcome. And he says, my gun's a good, dependable firearm as long as I don't do that. As long as I don't overstack my magazines. Great. Whatever. He's got it figured out. Does he recommend them? No. They're cool to have. Um, 1911 in general is a great design. I mean, it's been around for over 100 years. So, I mean, granted, it, it works. So, but yeah, it's, it's all about personal preference. It's all about what you're comfortable with and what um, you're willing to take with you. And why is this all important? Like I said, active shooters or active killers will usually keep going until that second gun shows up. Okay, that's that's what they're waiting for. When that next gun shows up, whether it belongs to a cop or somebody else, either you're going to stop the guy and hold him down or get him pinned down or even kill him, you know, or hold him and pin him down until the cops get there or whatever it is, okay? Or... Um, you're going to distract them or whatever it is, right? Or sometimes the moment these guys receive any type of resistance, they kill themselves, right? When the cops, I think it was the Virginia Tech shooter, killed like 30 people. Nobody was really fighting them. Nobody was getting into, nobody was fighting back. And then when the cop showed up, he kills himself. Okay. So, I mean, yeah, like I said, if you don't carry and you find yourself in that situation, you're never going to redeem yourself. If you can carry, if you can legally do so, I highly recommend it. Hey folks, there's a lot of people these days that are fleeing California and starting new lives elsewhere. And my friends Brian and Kim did just 
that. They flew off to Idaho and they started a whole new life and a whole new business. I want you guys to check out grandmaspantrypocatello.com for custom jams and jellies that are out of this world. Okay, I went up there to visit a couple months ago, did a little bit of bear hunting, and I got to try, I fell off my diet and I got to try a lot of their stuff, man. It is amazing. They have everything from spicy jams and jellies to sweet to sugar-free, whatever you need. And with the holidays coming up, if you want to introduce unique flavors to your cooking and unique flavors to your hors d'oeuvres, check out grandmaspantrypocatello.com. That's grandmaspantrypocatello.com. So I want to talk about active shooting incidents in general for a second here. So if you go out throughout the whole U.S. history, school shootings, active shootings, these things are not new, right? I mean, they, they've been happening since, well, essentially since, uh, I don't know, before the birth of America in general, right? I mean, they've been happening a long time. I think the first act, technical school shooting, I want to say happened in the 1600s. And if I remember the story correctly, it was some Native Americans broke into a one-room schoolhouse raped, molested, shot the teacher, and that's why it was considered an active shooting or school shooting was because, well, they had one gun and they shot the teacher. So um, so it's been happening a long time, but it wasn't until Columbine in the 90s that I remember that it really struck a national debate. Okay, before that, school shootings would happen and they were either considered gang-related, motives, whatever, active shooters, and those were just considered, well, you know, just a psychopath, somebody who's just crazy, had a mental break, uh, in the 80s, you guys remember that term, going postal? Well, that's because a guy, a postal worker, basically showed up at work and started shooting people, right? It's going crazy, okay? That's what's going on. But it wasn't until Columbine where people started, especially liberal left, started saying, it's the guns. It's the guns, everybody. The guns are the reason. Now, obviously, anyone with half a brain cell knows that's just stupid, okay? Because, one, if you look at statistics, murder by firearms are actually very low, Okay, I want to say they run between 1,000 and 2,000 a year. Death by firearms, I think, are around 45,000 a year, but murder by firearms are less than 2,000 a year. Okay, out of that 45,000, that's usually just suicides, accidents, uh, justifiable homicides, you know, basically someone defended themselves or a cop had to shoot somebody. Okay, but actual murder, unjustifiable homicide is less than 2,000 a year. Okay, guns are not the problem. Okay, we have 330 million people in this country and there's well more than that of firearms in this country okay it's it can't possibly be the problem okay and the other part of that too is if i want to kill you i don't need a gun to do it okay that's just a blunt reality of a situation right if someone wants you dead okay they can they can blow you up right you can go to a hardware store and buy the materials needed for a gun or for a bomb okay they don't have to shoot you they can cut your brake lines Okay, they could smother you to death. They could poison you. They could just beat you to death with a baseball bat. Okay, there's a lot of ways to kill somebody if you really have that motive to do it. Okay, so it's a, you can't just blame guns because you're totally overlooking the whole problem, right? We, we do this with homelessness all the time, right? People look at homelessness and be like, oh, homeless without home. So the problem is we just need to get these guys' houses. No, there's a mental health debate. There is a drug addiction debate. There's all sorts of stuff that goes on with homelessness. And the same thing with guns, okay, and active shooters, okay? You can't blame the gun when it's a mental health problem, okay? If you want to look at all these cases, you know what a lot of them have in common? Was the suspects grew up in fatherless homes. In fact, last time I read the statistics on this, out of 30 of the worst school shootings in the United States history, 
29 of them were suspects who didn't have a father growing up. Okay? Now, is that the only factor that dictates whether someone becomes an active shooter? Probably not. But it is a significant one. It's definitely something to look at. Right? Good dads matter. Great dads are even better. Right? But even a mediocre father can be just exactly what someone needs to keep them from plummeting off that mental health cliff that leads them to wanting to harm others. Right? It's not that much to ask. Okay? But fatherlessness is really the real epidemic we have in this country. Okay? But again, I could do a whole other podcast on that. I don't have to get into it right now. Okay, so anyways, you look at Columbine. Now, cops learned a lot from Columbine as well. Okay, because traditionally speaking, whenever we had these uh, shootings, uh, stuff like that, you know, murders inside a home, traditionally what we would normally do is set up a perimeter, right? That means we just basically surround the area that where the shooting took place, keep a suspect from escaping, and then we wait for the SWAT team negotiations, uh, crisis negotiations, hostage negotiations to come and try to talk people out. SWAT team goes and they do it, right? That's what we usually we used to do. And Columbine was no different, right? They surrounded the campus. Kids were trying to escape. But the problem is you had wounded and injured people inside. And by the time the many hours went by, after, after the incident was most more or less resolved, by the time the cops entered the school and all this other stuff, I mean, there's people who probably could have survived that did it because they just couldn't get help to them fast enough. Okay, so that's a problem. So now I don't blame those officers that responded at all that day. Okay, I don't. That's just what they were trained. That's what they were discussed. That's what they thought they were supposed to do the right thing. Okay, now they didn't do anything wrong, but they did. But we can learn from their experiences. Okay, so now we don't wait anymore. We don't surround and call out. Okay, Virginia Tech was a great example of this, right? You had a person who committed a murder in his dorm, okay, that directed all police resources on that campus to that dorm to interview suspects, process the scene, or I'm sorry, interview witnesses, interview everybody. I mean, everyone's distracted. He goes across campus 45 minutes later and opens fire. Okay. Cops, by the time they get over the whole incident, I think only lasted like seven or nine minutes or something like that. By the time the cops get there, uh, they see, as soon as he realizes he's about to be engaged by cops, he kills himself. Okay. Now there's something we can learn from Virginia Tech as well. Okay. So in Columbine, we learned that we can't wait. We have to get in there. We have to engage the suspect. Virginia Tech, we learned another important thing. Okay? One, be prepared for anything because the Virginia Tech shooter actually chained the door shut. Right? So if you're responding to this, keep in mind that you might have to cut a chain or blast one off with a shotgun. Okay? That's just something to do. They, they might put up barriers. They might prevent you from getting to them quickly. Two, fight back. Okay, what we are teaching now is run, hide, fight. Okay, if you're caught without a gun, if you're on campus or in a mall or whatever it is, okay, the first thing you should be doing is running. Get out of there. Okay, when I was a school resource officer, okay, I went, when I would teach this to the teachers, all right, about active shooters, uh, I, in some cases, had conversations with kids or whole classrooms about it, but there's only so much you can do, right, especially with little kids, um, but mostly it was just teachers, right? This is what I need you to do. And then I would go talk to the neighbors of that school. Okay, because I would tell them, hey, we're teaching kids that they need to run away. Which means that you might suddenly have kids showing up in your backyard as they're hopping fences. Are you okay taking them in and keeping them safe? Yes, I am. Okay, what are you going to do now? Right? If you're a neighbor of a school and they have an active shooter and kids start popping up in your backyard or running into your house or whatever it is, not only is it, not only should you keep them safe, but keep in mind that at some point you're going to have to contact somebody, get a list of everyone that's you're taking shelter in your house, right? 
and contact the authorities and let them know, I have these children. I have these 18 kids in my house right now. This is their names. Okay, these kids are okay and they're accounted for. This is the address where we're at. Okay, send, okay when this incident's resolved, you can send somebody here to get them. Okay, but in the meantime, they are safe and in my care. Right? I mean, who wouldn't want to do that? Again, another reason to be a gun owner, <laughs> right? Right? I mean, who wouldn't? If I had kids suddenly show up at my house trying to take shelter from Nack the Shooter, you bet your britches I'll be sitting by my front door with a shotgun. Actually, I'm a cop. I'll probably actually go engage the Nack the Shooter, but you bet your britches my wife would be sitting by that front door with a shotgun. Right? I mean, that's what you do. So anyways, that's what we're teaching kids. Run, hide, fight. Okay? If you cannot run, you're cut off, you don't know where to go, there's more than one active shooter, hide. Right? Turn off the lights, lock the doors, barricade, do what you got to do. Okay? If you can't do that, fight. Because in Virginia Tech, you had students that were essentially held hostage, and this guy walked along with two pistols, by the way, and just started executing people. And nobody really fought back. Okay? And that's why we started learning something different at that point. Because his body count was pretty high. I think he killed like 32 people. But essentially, he walked along. If you, if you talk to the people that helped process that scene, he essentially just walked down the row of students who were just sitting in the front row and bang, 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 bang. The ones who were wounded were the ones who got up and ran away. Right? But what we need to be doing at that situation is fighting back. Throw a chair. Throw a desk. Tackle them. Right? We've seen this in recent um, school shootings and recent school shootings where the school students are actually just tackling the guy. Okay, and what could be a large body count is resulting in an injury, a wound, or maybe just one death. Okay? So we find that this is actually helping. Okay, run away, hide if you have to. If you can't, fight. Stab the guy in the eyeball with a pair of scissors. Do whatever you gotta do. Okay? Throw a book at him. Right, do something. Okay? Trust me, it's not easy. Next, next time you go to the range... Try and shoot accurately while someone's throwing crap at you, <laughs> right? Have your buddy stand off lateral to you, not in front of you, obviously, and have them start throwing stuff at you, books, heavy objects, whatever, chairs, and see how accurate you can shoot, okay? You can't, okay? It's going to hurt, and you can't shoot accurately, okay? If someone throws a chair across the room while I'm rushing in trying to tackle somebody, guess what? He's going to get hit by the chair. He's going to get distracted. He's going to give me an opportunity to tackle him down, okay? I mean, that's what you do. You fight, and that's what we're teaching people to do, fight, Okay? Now, it's really easy to say, but obviously, if you're in that situation, you might be very scared and stuff. So train. Think about it. Mentally go over it in your head so you're mentally prepared for that situation. Okay? But run, hide, fight. That's what we're teaching people. And the ones that apply that, we're seeing very different situations. Okay? Actually, we just saw this, I think it was like two or three years ago. Uh, two different high schools, and both of them were people who showed up intending to shoot a lot of people, and they were tackled down and stuff. And both high schools only lost one person. Okay, and usually the, the people that died was the one person who was part of that group that tackled them down. Okay, I don't know about you guys and your faith, but in my faith, okay, if you die saving other people's lives, that's like an automatic ticket to heaven, right? Those pearly gates are thrown open for you. Okay, so, but yeah, that's what we're teaching. Run, hide, fight. Okay, if your kids aren't being taught this in their schools, talk to them about it, right? The other big portion of that that you really got to do and teach and talk about is if you see something, say something, right? If you see somebody on your kid's campus that just doesn't look like he belongs there, say something, okay? If you see somebody moving stuff around that doesn't look like it should be, if you see a guy with a, a diesel fuel and, and fertilizer and stuff and he's suddenly setting it by the front door at the school or front door of your government building or whatever, say something, okay? I know nobody wants to be a Karen. 
Nobody wants to call. Nobody wants to hassle. Nobody wants to get involved in stuff that's not really your problem. But this is how we solve these. Okay? It's parents. It's grandparents. Okay? When alert parents are actually looking at their kids' search history, okay, on their computers and actually paying attention to them and digging through their, their clothes and their closets and stuff like that and making sure they're not hiding something stupid, making sure they're not uh, developing any weird fascinations with shootings or, or murder or, or, or genocide or anything like that. And when you do come across this stuff, say something. Say something to them. Say something to a counselor, a therapist. Okay, your local police, whatever you got to do. Okay, I'd rather be looked at in history as a failure of a parent because my kid was planning something, but I stopped it versus somebody who knew or just wasn't involved in your, with your kid as a parent at all. And then they went and did something stupid and got people killed. Right? Be involved. And again, uh, that goes for your neighbors, all that kind of stuff. Now, I'm not saying you have to be a Karen. I'm not saying you have to be super Snoopy or anything like that. But, you know, pay attention. Look for this stuff. Okay, when you go to the mall, look at the people around you. Watch their hands. Watch their demeanor. Okay? I mean, I'm going to say kind of a high-profile word here, but profile them. You don't racially profile them, but profile them. Okay, if you got somebody who's wearing a big, heavy jacket in July at the mall, and he's by himself, and he's looking shady, you might want to say something. Okay? Because that's a big red flag. Okay? <sighs> but yeah, if you see something, say something. Run, hide, fight. Talk to your kids about that stuff. Okay? Because that's what's saving lives right now. Okay? That's what's working. Okay? It's the next best thing than just carrying a gun. Okay? Me personally, I mean, this is why I'm going to start inserting my opinion about stuff. But I'm not against the concept of teachers carrying guns. I'm not saying you have to. I think it should be a choice. Okay, but I think making it making gun our campuses, school campuses, gun-free campuses was a mistake. I think it's resulted in more death and violence than it's ever intended to. Okay? Okay, because again, when all is said and done, the only thing that's really going to stop a good or bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. Okay, and that good guy might be a gym teacher. He might be the janitor. He might be the vice principal. Okay, I'm not against that at all. Okay, now obviously if you're not comfortable carrying a gun, then you shouldn't carry one. Just plain and simple, you shouldn't. Okay, if, you, if you're not competent or if you don't have a way to conceal it and to keep it safe, don't, don't, don't have one. Okay, but remember, remember what I said in the very beginning. If that incident ever happens to you and you have the ability to carry it and you chose not to, okay, you're never going to redeem yourself. You're always going to feel bad about that. Okay, if that might be the one day you decide, you know what, I'm not going to carry my gun today. You know what, it's it's heavy, it's bulky, it, you know, looks obvious. Okay, if I carry my gun, I have to wear a jacket, and I don't want to wear a jacket, whatever it is, you're never going to redeem yourself if you don't do it. Okay, if that happens at that point, you're not going to redeem yourself. You're going to live with that forever. Don't be that guy. If you can carry, you should carry. If you can't carry, run, hide, fight. Okay? All right, folks, I think I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up right there. I, I, I like doing this this um, podcast, talking about active shooters and stuff. It's a, um, I think it's a good reminder for everybody. People forget this stuff, okay, and we don't discuss it often enough um, because, the, frankly, the media goes through trends where they don't talk about it, and they only talk about it when it was really bad, and they, and they really just are pushing an agenda. I don't think so. I think it should be just, I think we should accept it as a reality of our situation. We should be prepared for it. You got to remember, schools themselves, people attack schools because they get a lot of media coverage. 
right? They, they do that for that very reason, right? Because their name goes down in history forever, okay? And they attack targets that are just soft targets, right? They do that, okay? You want, here again, I'm going to insert my opinion, but if you really want to solve this, don't focus on guns, focus on the targets and say, how do we make this soft target a hard target? Now, look, I'm not saying our kids have to go to school in what looks like a prison with high walls and barbed wire and razor wire and getting buzzed in everywhere. But our museums are secure buildings and they don't feel like prisons. Okay, our courthouses are secure buildings and they don't feel like prisons. Right, many of our government buildings are secure buildings and they don't feel like prisons. Why can't we do our schools like that? Right, why are we protecting our politicians way more than we're protecting our own children? Okay, I'm telling you, one school resource officer can make all the difference. Okay, armed security guard can make all the difference. Okay, changing the laws and giving, um, you know, janitors and, and certain teachers and whatever the ability to carry if they choose to do so can make all the difference. Okay, do not let your school be a soft target. We shouldn't, as a society, let our schools be a soft target. You go to other countries, they already got this figured out. Okay, go, go check out a public school in another country. Surrounded by walls, security up front, armed security in many cases. Okay, buzz in, buzz out. Okay, uniforms for kids. Not saying I'm a proponent for uniforms for kids, but it does make sense because it's really easy to identify the outsiders if they're not wearing a uniform. On the flip side, all you have to do is throw on a uniform and you can be an insider as well. So, I mean, you know, they don't always work, but it does help. Okay, that kind of stuff does help. And we can, as a society, rethink this stuff and rethink our schooling and rethink our, our security at our schools and make it a priority. Because the problem is, and trust me, I know because I've talked to those teachers, I've talked to those superintendents, I've talked to those people. When I was a school resource officer talking about the security of the schools, um, they don't want to put the money up for this stuff until something bad happens, right? Nobody takes it seriously until that incident happens. Okay, and that's sad. That should be, when we're building a new school today, that should be our first priority, security, okay? Limiting entrance and exits, okay? Uh, Metal detectors, Sign-in, sign-out procedures, okay, uh, IDs that hang around the neck so we know who belongs and who doesn't, okay, stuff like that. I mean, that all helps, okay, but most importantly, armed security. That's my opinion, okay, a firearm on campus somewhere, okay. When I was a school resource officer, I actually took care of multiple schools, and I obviously couldn't be everywhere at once, but one thing I did that I knew would be the biggest deterrent is when I was at a campus, I parked my cop car right up front. I parked it so anybody who came up front in that campus would see that black and white, and they knew there was a cop on campus. So if you wanted to do harm to those kids, you had to deal with me. Me, the trained cop with a firearm and body armor. Okay, you would have to deal with me. I thought that was the biggest flag for anybody. Go ahead, try it. Okay, so I'd park right up front. I wanted everyone to know I was there. Okay, that's the best I can do. Did I deter any active shooters? I don't know. <laughs> you know, maybe. Maybe somebody drove by and said, oh, maybe not today. And then they went and rethought their life and never, never happened. Right? Like, I, I hope so. Okay, but yeah, I mean, that's what you do, right? There's, there's ways to think about these things, right? So yeah, we see something, say something, run, hide, fight, have these discussions with your kids, okay, have these discussions with your loved ones, okay? I have, I've had discussions with my wife about this stuff, you know, if we're at the mall and stuff like that, and suddenly my tone changes, don't question it, just obey it, right? If I say get out of here, if I say run, if I say don't ask why, just do it, okay? Have those conversations with your loved ones, right? That's gonna be the difference between saving someone's life because like I said, and again, I'll keep reemphasizing this, if you are ever in that situation and you are not carrying that gun or you're not doing the right thing or you're not or you're not following your training and stuff like that and something bad happens, 
you are never going to get the opportunity to redeem yourself throughout your life. You're not. I hope you learn to forgive yourself, but you're never going to get the opportunity to redeem yourself. All right, folks, I'm going to wrap it up right there. This is the Serving the Peace podcast. Please like and share this podcast. Review it. Um, when you review it and like it and share it, it actually goes to people who are like-minded who may also like this podcast. Okay, this helps us. Uh, it helps us with our revenue. helps us gain money so we can have better quality, better equipment and stuff like that. Um, and so it, it helps basically support our podcast. Even if you're only a mediocre listener at times, share it. Put it on your Facebook. Okay, put it on your Instagram. Say, hey, guys, check out this podcast. It's really cool. Okay, go into iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts and rate the podcast. Give it four stars if you can. So, all right, folks. Be safe and good night. Yay!